Eagles Entertainment. Today's podcast is presented by Xfinity. Supercharge your screenplay with supersonic Wi-Fi from Xfinity. Enjoy breakaway speeds, power your whole huddle of devices, and help keep your home team safe with online security. Unbeatable internet from Xfinity, made to do anything so you can do anything. On Tuesday, December 27th, defensive coordinator Jonathan Gannon spoke to the media. Just recapping that game, obviously didn't do enough uh, on our end to give our team a chance to win. Gave up too many points. Uh, Got to be better situationally. Uh, that's that's me first, coaching it better than what we did last week, obviously. And, uh, you know, we got we to gotta execute at a little bit higher level, and that comes down to me as well, coaching it and, and calling it a little bit better. And, uh, you know, excited about getting back in the lab with the guys and making the corrections, and we're going to learn from this game and uh, be better for it. And uh, on to New Orleans. The, uh, the third and 30, um, what was the call? What was the, the breakdown there? Yeah, I just it's me. I got to do a better job of coaching what I want out of that call. Uh, I'm not going to get in specifics of the call, but um, I like the call. But I just looking back at it, it's, you know, we I got to do a better job of putting our guys in position to make that play and get off the field because you can't give up a third and 30. That, you know, that was a play in that game that I felt like was a little bit of a tipping point when we let them convert and then they scored that drive. That, that hurts the ball club. So, um, got to do a better job myself. Was disguise involved in the call? Um, there's always disguise in every call, okay. um, depending on what the situation, the down and distance, everything like that. But um, ultimately, it falls on me and got to get our guys in better position to make that play. It it seemed like to, it, when you're in dime um, there when, and TJ's not on the field, what are sort of the mechanics of getting them to call in? Yeah, so TJ a lot of the times will just tell them the call before he comes out of the game. And then we also have a wristband for that because, you know, we don't have a green dot in. So that's something that we looked at at evaluating, hey, can we make it a little bit easier and quicker for our players, especially, you know, that wasn't a tempo play. But sometimes they go tempo, and I like to get dime on the field. So just we, we uh, I learned a good deal from, from that game with how we want to move going forward, and uh, we'll be better because of it. It seemed like the communication on the back end wasn't, up to what it typically is. Is do you think that's fair? And do you think that was some of the issues? Yeah, I mean, anytime you know you give up ex ex explosive passes and um, you know th situationally conversions on third down like we we did, it always falls on me to coach that a little bit better and put our guys in better spots. And then you know for our guys to know exactly you know where their eyes have to be, what technique, what calls they got to make pre-snap and post-snap and just function at a little bit better level to do what we've been doing and, and really playing good pass defense and known pass. And, um, you know, it's a, it was a good learning experience for us. How much did losing Abonte Maddox change the way you called the game as well? A little bit. You know, I, I probably could have got to some different calls when he did go out. I thought he was, he was playing extremely well. But we always look at, we feel comfortable, anyone that's out there in the spots that they're in, like we always talk about. You know, if you got a jersey and you're playing, we feel good about you. So, um, you know, Josiah has played really good ball for us when Avante's been out a couple times this year. So um, when we set up the game plan, you always have, hey, here's who our guys are playing, here's who their guys are playing. And then you have to adjust that in game as it gets going if you lose people or they lose people or what they're trying to do. So um, we'll have a good plan moving forward. When you mentioned you want to coach uh, what you want on that third and 30 better, uh, how much does having the backup nickel in there affect that? 
Uh, it affects everybody that's up because they all got to know it. So I think that, you know, everybody that's out there playing has to know what we want out of every call. So that ultimately falls on me. Not, not to get a lot of nickel or, or slot with uh, New Orleans, of course, but here he's pretty much a different safety. Um, how comfortable are you with him playing more as like a full-time role in that in that slot spot if the out for Yeah, when when Chauncey's ready to get back and play, you know, we'll evaluate who's who's up and who's down and what what our guys can do and try to set up the game plan and put our guys in the best spots to to play winning football for us. So, um, you know, it, that's one of the reasons we like versatile players because the more you can do, typically the better. So, we have a very versatile room and we'll make that decision as we get going. In terms of the, the chess match of, of putting the game back together and how much do you think it was on your mind or, or a factor that you might see this team again, you know, like four weeks? Uh, honestly, not much. You know, that's a good question, Bo. I mean, we're, we always, I don't, we're, we be, we're, we're, I'm at where my feet are at and we're trying to win a game, you know, and I don't, I don't look ahead. I don't look behind. So um, we're trying to do the best job that we could do to win that game on Christmas Eve. And obviously we fell short. So um, give them credit because they made some good plays and they're a good offense, but we got to do better to give ourselves a chance to win. When you give up a third and 30, what effect does that have on the guys, on the coaches, on the players? Uh, did you see guys hanging their heads? How, how did they No, that's, that's a good question. You know, we, we, we're a resilient group and we stay connected and we've done that through the whole year. We did that last year. Um, that's kind of a tribute to the football character, the people that are out there playing. Um, with me, I'm literally off of it in a second, you know, because I'm thinking about, okay, now first down. So I think if you don't have good leadership and they're not psychologically prepped for, you know, to get hit in the face every so often and how do you respond to that, um, then then you're going to – it's going to be tough to get over. But, you know, even when we came off there, I was I was very proud of our group. You know, we're ready to go back out there and, and roll, put the ball out and let's play. So um, I never look at – you know, certain things that go on in a game, bad or good, it's always on to the next play, and our guys have done a really good job with that. What have you noticed out of a CJ as, over the last few weeks as he's been down? And do, you, do you get a sense that he's going to need to kind of ramp up physically uh, when he gets back on the field? or just kind of? Yeah, that's a better question for the, for the head coach and Tom, you know, our head medical guy. But, you know, we, I think he's doing as much as he can do to get ready to go, and when he's ready to go, he'll, he'll be ready to go. Nick was explaining um, yesterday when, when the – Numbers, someone had put up numbers about back versus the zone. He was explaining, obviously, with matchup zones, you know, you're playing man, using man principles, et cetera. Um, you know, is that uh, pretty much the norm for most defensive coordinators nowadays? And the matchup zones, how much, uh, you know, is involved in terms of the player communication and f- football IQ? And is it, is it much more strenuous on, on players having to know that? It, that? It's a good question, Jeff. Yeah, I don't, I don't know that the, any stats that get put up, but, you know, we're a defense that does multiple things to defend people. So there's always going to be elements of what looks like zone when we're playing zone. When it looks like zone, we're playing man. When it looks like man, we're playing zone to one side and man to another side. I think that's pretty common around the league. Um, some guys live in the world of man or pure zone, which that's a way you can go. But ultimately, it doesn't matter, <clears throat> in my opinion, you know, what calls are being called. you got to teach it and coach it the right way and then have the players be able to function at a high level with execution. And it always starts with coaching, and we've done a good job with that. But, 
you know, for, you know, this this last game, we weren't as clean as we needed to be to win. So, um, looking forward to get back in the lab tomorrow with those guys and and getting back on the horse. Does it complicate uh, things for the defense when you have a receiver that can move from outside to inside, and vice versa, kind of seamlessly, like like Lamb? That's a good question. Honestly, not because that's the NFL game today. You know, when typically guys have really good receivers, they move them around. Um, and then you just got to play the calls accordingly and have a plan for knowing when he's aligned in certain spots, what he likes to do. So um, there's always, you know, that, that goes into game planning and it goes into the calls. And, you know, you might have a call and say, hey, this is how we're playing it. But if this guy's here, we're changing it, or this is how we need to adjust and play it. So um, that goes into basically every game. I mean, this this game for with New Orleans is no different with people that they have, you know. So uh, you got to always know your opponent's skill set and how they're trying to use people, deploy them, how they use them, and you know how they're ultimately um, trying to get their best players the ball. In this, in this matchup, uh, I know you saw it last year, but how much of a headache is the, the Taysom Hill stuff? Yeah, it's different because he didn't play against us, I think, last year. You know, he plays a lot of positions. We were just talking about he plays quarterback, tight end, receiver, running back. He does it all. So uh, that goes into John's question. When when he's playing certain spots, we have to know that, hey, this is what they like to do with him. This is why he's a matchup issue for, for defenses if, if you allow it to be. And we have to have a good plan for him when they deploy him in different ways. So uh, that's, that's one of their uh, – it makes this offense hard to defend because of how they use certain players that they have at their disposal. So we've got a big-time challenge, and we've got to be on it. JG, obviously the turnovers uh, have not uh, – the takeaways haven't been at mm-hmm. the same rate as early in the year. Uh, obviously part of that CJ, but do you see any other – Trends there? Any other reason those have dried up? Yeah, I mean, a, a couple. Th- I mean, the things that what we always show our players, you know, if if it's you know, and it comes back to the teaching of of conceptually teaching, you know, you you know, you win your leverage a little bit better here, you might have a chance for it. Or if we're at 14 yards and instead of 12 yards, you might have a better chance for it because your angle's a little bit better. So that's always a blend of, you know, you never know how the game's going to kind of go, you know, and. Typically, good offenses don't give you a bunch of chances to take the ball away, but we got to continue to take the ball away because we know that's a winning stat. And, um, you know, I always say they come in bunches, and we haven't been taken away at a high clip as we were early in the year, but I think we'll get back to it. You guys are on pace for uh, set a franchise mark for sacks. I know you, you don't typically call that a winning stat. For instance, you had six. In and of itself, I think but I should there, clarify that. <laughs> Um, yeah, there's always pride in, in being the best at what you do, I think, you know, and, and that's why that's a good question, Jeff, because it's like they're not a winning stat in and of itself, but affecting the quarterback is a winning stat, and that's one way that you can affect the quarterback, and our guys have done a really good job with that, and that helps our ball club. I mean, that's, you know, if, you know, you can look at the game, the, the Dallas game, and some of those sacks led to known pass and some downs that, you know, we got to do a better job of winning in those downs. Um, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm prideful of any time we're high in certain stats, and it's a really a, a testament to the players of staying connected, doing their job, other guys doing their job that allows those guys to get sacks and do that, and along with some really good individual performances too. So, What concerns you most about the Saints offense? Uh, versatility, Merrill. You know they got some. They got some weapons that they how they deploy people different ways. And um, 
you know, you you got to be on with with you know Taysen, Kamara. Uh, the quarterback's playing pretty good. You know, they just they have a lot of versatility and they use a lot of different tools at their disposal to put stress on the defense. So we got to get lined up. We got to know where to put our eyes, and we got to execute at a high level. So that's like you know any game you have to do that. But with these guys, they try to you know kind of get you off the scent, so to speak. So we got to be on it. For more Eagles news and exclusive interviews, be sure to subscribe to all of our Eagles original podcasts, including Eagles Update, Eagles Insider, and Eagle Eye in the Sky.